I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking with Ramona Reed, Certified Adult Chair and Enneagram Coach, LMT, Reiki Master, and Founder of Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy and the Frequency Center, producer of the upcoming Beyond the Enneagram podcast, and just someone that I absolutely adore and am really greedy about getting to have conversations with. <laughs> so, um, Ramona, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Sarah Jane. It's great to hear your voice again. Yeah, you too. Um, what is your rosebud and thorn today? So the rose, and this was really interesting. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to think about these things. Um, the rose, I think my daughter, she's going to be 13 in less than two weeks. And that's really just been happy for me to see her, mm -hmm. just grow her interest and confidence, find her sense of humor. I mean, she's cracking me up lately. So I think that would be the, the rose. Um, and the but something to look forward to, I'm, I'm creating this intentional healing center in, in Abiquiu. And I've been so excited in all of the steps. Some of the steps, not so exciting, but most of the steps are so exciting and gathering a community for that. And um, the thorn, I guess going back to parenting, um, difficulty lately in navigating my daughter's need for safety and independence mm -hmm. and my need for her safety in the middle of, you know, what we're all going through globally. It's like, that's been really um, a struggle lately because I want her to experience um, growth and friendships and autonomy and all of these things. And it's this, this kind of push and pull internally and between us of allowing that um, safely. So I think that's mm -hmm. been my, one of my main sources of kind of struggle with lately. Yeah. When you started with, um, your rose as my daughter is turning 13, I was like, um, I have questions and I think like, <laughs> it's wonderful. It's hard, yeah. but it's wonderful. You know, it's, she's, it's amazing, mm -hmm. you know, to just see that just expansiveness happening in the midst and, and just the, the sense of um, resiliency and, and passion that, and hope that these kids have, you know, that, that she's in this, we homeschool her, but she's in this web tutorial and these kids are amazing. And I just, mm. I love, I love what I know. Some people are like, oh my God, my kid's turning 13. But I think my work on myself has helped make this a lot less of a struggle mm -hmm. because I'm not trying to parent my own inner child through my kid, you know? Mm -hmm. I was going to ask like, where, the Enneagram, but also all of the healing work that you do, like how that plays into, you know, watching someone else become who they're becoming mm -hmm. and not, you know, how, how you allow for that without kind of putting your own stuff in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't is the short answer. Um, mm -hmm. And then I do sometimes. And it's like, yeah. it's finding that, you know, compassion for myself and grace in the process because it is literally my most challenging role um, ever. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's the, one of the most challenging roles any of us can have. And I think that all my stuff comes up in that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a, I'm kind of a glasses half full type of person. So it's like, yeah, this is giving me lots of opportunities to look at my triggers and work on my triggers mm -hmm. and whether it's, you know, working on self-care and staying in my lane, um, 
seeing that she's got her own kind of contract here, <laughs> she's got her own agenda and not trying to, you know, control that. Um, and, and realizing that the limitations I want to put on her are from my fears, not mm-hmm. from, I mean, 99% of the time are from my fears and not on reality. And mm-hmm. having a mindfulness practice is important because it bring it keeps me out of that. Like, Oh my gosh, this could happen. This could happen. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what's so today is that she just cracked me up with a funny joke at breakfast and she's going off with a mask to be with, you know, a short, a small amount of kids and they're going to go have a great time and learn outside together. And like, that's mm-hmm. my reality. It's not, it's not, you know, I'm not sending her out to a battlefield. You know, we're privileged in that in a lot of parts of this country. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess that's it. It's like, it's just trying to stay focused on what's real instead of what's mm-hmm. in my head and, and fears about what could happen to this like most important person to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that answer. I don't. And sometimes I do. I feel like that is so healing in everything. Like mm-hmm. as we try to be more mindful, as we try to like not operate out of our default to be able to be like, yeah, most of the time I don't. And sometimes I do. And <laughs> that's impressive. And I should be proud of myself. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I mean, I, I don't know the. I like to think of myself as doing it more than half the time mm-hmm. in a healthy way. But I really don't know. I think she'd be a better guide for that mm-hmm. conversation. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, yeah. we've grown so much closer and I call myself out as soon as I notice it, which mm-hmm. thankfully, because of the work is um, usually even either in real time or very soon thereafter, you know, mm-hmm. um, where it's a wow, I just, you know, I just let my fear guide this conversation and I yelled at you and you didn't deserve that. Mm. And she's like, thank you. Which that's more than most of us received that just an apology from our parents, like novel. Yeah. And that, and it's hard because see, I want to be, I want to be like the perfect parent that that doesn't happen to. And so Mm -hmm. that's been my struggle is in realizing that that's, that doesn't exist. (laughs) There's no perfect person that that doesn't happen to. There's definitely not perfect parent. Mm -hmm. And so I think just being the best that I can be given the situations I have with my past history. (laughs) And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, I think we're doing great. You know, if you think about it like that and, and just not making her anything that she's going through about me, because that's so mm-hmm. uh, attractive for me to make her attitudes and her eye rolling really personal. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was never allowed to do that. I was never, you know, I wasn't allowed to have a strong mm-hmm. voice like that. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't a great, you know, parent, a great family, but it just wasn't valued back then that we could really stand up and say, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. And we've created that for her. Um, and so when, when she does it, you know, the little kid or adolescent part of me is like, Hey, that's not what I was allowed to do. You know? Yeah. I've, we find that in our parenting as well. Like we, we try really hard to like, let him trust himself. We want him to feel like he can trust himself and that he can advocate for himself and that he has, he's allowed to have boundaries. And then when he does it, I'm like, there's like a, it's like, I can almost hear my parents' voice in my head going, you let him get away with that? Mm-hmm. Which like, it's not even my parents because that's not even how my parents were, but it's like somebody's parents are like in my brain telling me that you're supposed to control your kid. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, mm-hmm. society, I think, encourages us to keep our, our kids quieter than I think we allow them to be. Mm-hmm. At least than I allow my, I've actually heard that from my family. Like, wow, we would have never been able to do that when we were here, and neither would have you. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that it's not okay. It just means yeah. this is an opportunity for us to manage our own reactions right now because we're the ones with the triggers. It's not her mm-hmm. trigger. She's just the one triggering us. And so in that way, it's like she's my guru. You know, mm-hmm. she's the one showing me what needs the work. And when I remember that, you know, we're good. When I forget mm-hmm. that because I'm stressed out in other ways, because I'm focusing on like the news or, you know, things going on with the environment or whatever it is, it's interesting because it comes out in those relationships, those close ones, you know, mm-hmm. where then I just kind of should all over her. And, and you know, I, I, it's not, it's, it's unconscious, but now that it's more conscious, it's quicker. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. I think she's grateful for that. For sure. I mean, I think, um, well, let's get into like your Enneagram type while we're here, where we're talking about um, shoulds and (laughs) um, and kind of like what your journey has been with the Enneagram in terms of typing yourself. And because I think that when we think about how we engage with ourselves, you know, and we're talking so much about how we engage with others, they tend to be similar. Mm. Yeah, that's really, that's really true. Uh, I thought, for a long time that I was dominant in type two, um, because I was told that I was, and it really fit that the time of, of life when I found the Enneagram, it really fit because I was more being that kind of two dynamic. Um, and then about probably six years into it, recognized that underneath the two-ness was a very strong oneness that was kind of running the show. So I started investigating that. And I will say that whenever I've taken like the tests, like the ready test, whatever. Well, I've tested all over the place, but like the really good one, I've really focused in and taken them. Um, I've scored highest on two, mm-hmm. followed very strongly by one and then eight and four. I mean, and I've got my, and my bottoms have consistently been six and five. So those are like my least efficient. And I'm quoting Dr. Jerome Libba, the mm-hmm. author of the brain-based Enneagram, who's become a friend of mine, who discusses like that we have efficiencies and inefficiencies stacked, just like our instincts get stacked. And, you know, why not look at that? And I'm, so I look at that and it's like, I'm super high in two followed by one, but I have, I've identified in the past probably five years more with the type one structure because the way that I am out in the world feels very much more like that. I find myself feeling, you know, angry and a sense of injustice and needing to fix things. And then I think relationally, sometimes I'll show up more too. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. I don't even know, I'm, I'm getting to this point, Sarah Jane, where it's like, I don't even know that I want to identify myself uh-huh. as dominant in a type because it's kind of like, and I'm not talking about tri-type here. I'm talking like, I'm so yeah. close <laughs> in how, how I've been being and what my motivations are that it feels very two and mm-hmm. one together. And, um, yeah, so that, I mean, I, I wish, you know, the one <laughs> part of me wants to have like the very clear cut black and white answer, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but the part of me that's healing some of that duality mm-hmm. um, doesn't really need to, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think that, I think that that's okay, even though I have discomfort in this sort of setting with leading with that, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like, I want to be right. I want to have done it. I want to be good with this, especially mm-hmm. as a coach. Like I want to have my stuff together, you know? But um, honestly, like you being that fluid with it is so liberating. It's liberating for me. And I know it's going to be liberating for so many of the people in the audience who are kind of like 
really stuck in like figuring out where they fit and feeling like they relate to a lot of different things. I think the whole point of the Enneagram is to know ourselves and to grow. And if we're using it for that purpose, then like, do we have to really have like this very specific box that we continue to put ourselves in when that's not even the goal? Hmm. Agreed. I mean, my, when I first started learning about the teach, uh, the Enneagram, one of my teachers was, her name was Audra. And she said, you know, pick a type and then wake <laughs> up inside of it because you, you'll find mm-hmm. something inside all of the types. And she's right, mm-hmm. you know, five or six being at the very bottom for me of efficiency. Like I score single, it's like it, not anything that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much about myself, even just in that information. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to really lean into it more. Like, how can I I guess this is the one, right? How can I be better? But like, how can I experience that in a deeper way? Um, Mm -hmm. And understanding, you know, that too comes out really strongly in certain areas. And the one comes out in certain areas. And I think it's okay to not have to land in in one of them. And I I say this with clients too. It's like, Mm -hmm. why do we need to know today? (laughs) I mean, I've been doing this for a while. And I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I know way more about myself than I did in my twenties or thirties, but (laughs) what's the point here? Like what part of me was, uh, you know, where was the four triggered in me with that comment? You know what I mean? Like I tried to just like experience it like that Mm -hmm. and um, notice my aversions to different people or situations um, that might have more to say about myself than it does about them. I'm just, I just try to play with it like that. And I think that's it's a good use of this uh, modality of the Enneagram is, is to not try to focus so much on, on that black and white. Here I am, you know, self-pres, one wing, two. That's, I, just, I, I mean, I feel like I identify with that, but man, mm-hmm. also sometimes sexual too. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just it depends. It's situational. It's definitely based on stress level and, mm-hmm. um, in my environment. Yeah. I was creating a workshop for type five, um, on relationships today. And I like recorded it. And as I'm recording it, I'm like looking at it. I'm like, this is a lot of stuff I need to be working on. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff here is stuff that I'm, I need to work on. And, and it's like, if I were so obsessed with being stuck in the seven structure, then I'm losing opportunity at some point to grow and to improve myself and to, um, expand my definition of, of who I am because I'm like, well, this isn't mine because I'm not a five, mm-hmm. but we're more complex than that. Right. Yeah. There's percentage of you that, that has five energy. You know, if you look at even mm-hmm. just like the ready test, it breaks it up in percentages. Right. And it's like, if I score a 28 on two and a 21 in type one, there's high percentages of both of those types in me. And I don't want to mm-hmm. lose out just focusing on the maybe the wisdom of one of those types or the lessons in one of those types. Um, I, I completely agree. It's like, yeah, I want to learn about how I can enhance the fiveness in me, you know, and, and maybe to better understand people that are dominant in five that are in my life, which I happen to have very many. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We've, we've kind of talked before about, you know, Enneagram and body and like how, Sometimes we have these like physical symptoms that our Enneagram fixations can kind of manifest into physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious about one, like, like talking about that, but also kind of what does that look like potentially in reverse? Like instead of saying, okay, I'm a seven, so I should expect these physical sensations, but instead being like, wow, my jaw is really tense. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What could I be fixating on? 
Sure. Um, Is that even the right question? It's great. It's a great question. I think (laughs) that, you know, not all um, sixes are going to have tight glutes or ones or not all eights are going to have low back pain. Not all ones are going to have jaw issues, you know, and tension, but there sure does seem to be a lot of information around that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's something to look at. I mean, definitely not um, causation, but maybe correlation, right? Mm -hmm. So I would look just for myself, I notice, and I'm a body worker, so I do massage. I've been working on people for almost 15 years. And then the Enneagram came along about 11 years ago. So incorporating both of those when I touch people has been really mm-hmm. just fascinating. It's like how how these symptoms show up in people based on where they hold stress, based on what's scary to them, right? It's like, mm-hmm. where am I scared? And you'll hold it here oftentimes. And that can get you know really specific with certain diseases, which you can read more about in like the Body Keeps the Score, Bessel van der Kolk, or Your Body Speaks Your Mind by Deb Shapiro. There's lots of other people that are smarter than me that have written about this. But for, you know, how does that help <laughs> is noticing, yeah, like if your jaw is tense, you know, you might be holding yourself back from saying something. You might be having difficulty with trying to control your emotions, not letting them out. Um, notice where you, like just the... The, uh, where you're holding things in your body are going to speak kind of symbolically. Like if you've got tight glutes, right? And you've mm-hmm. always had maybe sciatic pain. Well, you've heard the term tight ass. I don't know if I can say that on here, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, why, why, what are you scared of? And a lot of times it's fear of you know issues around scarcity with money or control or fears. It's like, we're really literally gripping our butt trying to hold on. Um, issues with shoulders, you know, tense shoulders, holding too much, weight and and too much responsibility, literally the weight of the world with things like neck and and, um, it might be, you know, just a rigidity with headaches. A lot of times maybe a a headiness or an overthinking um, value maybe put on on our thoughts. So there's there's lots to look at there. Um, I always, I've just kind of trained myself over the years to, to notice whenever I'm having any kind of ailment. Okay, so let's, you know, obviously we're going to triage this and I want to try to figure out how to alleviate it. But first, you know, without getting rid of it, what is it telling me? Mm. Because if we just try to medicate something, we're not learning from it. We're not getting the reason why it's there because a symptom is actually our body working perfectly. It's telling Mm -hmm. us something. And I think culturally what we try to do is is just get rid of it because it's not comfortable um, sometimes more than others, right? And it's like, this doesn't feel good. I got to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm always super curious as to why. Um, you know, why am I getting chronic migraines? Why am I having TMJ? You know, why does my back keep going out? Or, you know, why do I have issues with my ankles? You know, I'm always just curious. If there's a pattern, what's going on emotionally? Because we're not separate. You know, our, our heart, mm-hmm. our emotions aren't separate from our body. They inform our body. You know, our emotions inform our, our mind processes. And then our mind processes inform the chemicals that our endocrine system puts out, which informs our physiology, right, which is our body. So, mm-hmm. so of course, there's a lot of value in understanding the emotions behind it. So, as we know, different types have different fears. Different types have different focus. And so if you can work on kind of paying attention to your fears and letting yourself feel those fears instead of doing the fears through your type structure – it's going to heal you on a level, not just emotionally, but it's going to heal your body too. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not as crazy as it used to be when I would say these things, you know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's becoming really more mainstream, like, right, okay. 
if we actually deal with our stress, maybe we won't have those, you know, high numbers of Monday morning heart attacks, mm. you know, or issues with digestion, things like that. So it's, it's becoming kind of more mainstream, which is wonderful because I think that healthcare definitely needs to evolve past um, just fixing what's wrong. You know? mm-hmm. um, I, I will add too that like right before our interview, I was on my computer looking at and calling out all of the news articles that have been coming up. And I do this every once in a while, they keep sneaking through because I can't, this isn't about being ignorant. I just can't do it. Sometimes it's too much. There's a lot going on right now. And my nervous system gets affected because with that really strong one and two energy, like I want to fix it, right? I want to help. And so if I see all these things, I, with my five, being all the way down in the bottom, right? My least efficient type. I don't have that strong skill set for compartmentalizing my emotions. Um, I react very deeply to things that I see. I I feel very deeply. And then my next step through my Enneagram structure is then I have a strong desire to act. Mm -hmm. And you can't fix it all Mm -hmm. right now. Even, Even just the idea that there's something to fix starts triggering my structure. I need to see less of that so I can kind of help manage and balance my neurology because literally it will put me into an anxious state that then affects my health. Mm. And I think lots of types need to be aware of that, especially right now, how much they're ingesting through social media, regular media, the energy of their neighbors, of their community, um, as well as, you know, the fears of others they're in contact with and in their own, because it's, it's super important, I think, for me right now to be able to stand strong and firm in what's so, just like with my daughter. It's like, this is what I can advocate for today. This is what I can change today. This is how I can help and show up. And I won't be able to do that if I can't breathe right, because I'm all freaked out about what's going on in Afghanistan mm-hmm. or with the environment, you know. Today's podcast is brought to you by Fairty Brand. Can you believe that we are coming to the perfect time of year where it's like summer is ending, fall is beginning, we get to wear whatever we want and it works. And we're getting to really think about right now, like what do I want to do at the end of the summer to kind of close this chapter and move on into autumn? For me, I'm like, I need to go get my final ice cream cone of the season. I want to spend as much time at the lake as possible. I want to lounge by the pool. I'm trying to go out on little self dates with my books. Like that's the vibe I'm going for. And that's where Faraday comes in. They make the perfect clothes for summer. Faraday is a family run brand making high quality, timeless clothing with modern design and functionality. You know, when you're searching for the ideal summer outfit, like the set, the shirt, the dress that feels like you've had them for years. Maybe it's in a gorgeous print and it fits so perfectly that it feels almost too good to be vintage, but still looks like it could be. That's Fairty. Now, I personally love their linen dresses. I've picked out shirts for my husband and sweaters for my husband. It makes you feel like you're wearing something that looks luxurious, but casual. Like you're not trying too hard, but you still look really put together. They're so confident in the quality of their clothes that they have a lifetime guarantee for quality. Like they will replace or fix your clothes 
forever, no matter what. That's insane. That's amazing. And to top it all off, Verity is giving all Enneagram and Coffee listeners 20% off. 20% off your order. So stock up on all your clothes for summer now. Head to VeritiBrand.com and use code Enneagram at checkout to snag 20% off all of your gear. That's code Enneagram at Verity. F-A-H-E-R-T-Y brand.com for 20% off. And we'll link that in the show notes for you. Thank you, Verity, for supporting today's podcast. You touched on something so important where I think we talk a lot about, like, and as people who care, you know, as I know we do, like we want to change, we want to impact the world. We feel sometimes like, we're making a difference by consuming content, consuming news. But like, I think that one, we're not evolutionarily ready for this much input, this much information. If we think about like even 50 years ago, the social circles that we had were so much smaller that the amount of input, the amount of difficulty that people were dealing with was much more limited in scope. And we've in, you know, this amount of years gone to where we can be, we can get information about any part of the world that we want to find. We can find concern for anything that we want to find concern for. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful desire. And when it doesn't match export, when our input is significantly more than the amount of giving back that we're doing, which is, it has to be because our access to input is so much greater than our capacity to give, then we are in this, like we're kind of constantly taking in and there's nothing going out. And it's just, it, it, it feels like this like ab- absolute recipe for just frustration and depression. And, you know, and, and we think we're doing good, but we're just harming ourselves. Right. We're not actually helping anymore. We're just hurting ourselves. Yeah. And it's, it's well said. Yeah. And it's a setup, right? Because it's yeah. like, yeah. we're trying to be responsible and ethical and, and, and understand everyone else's plight. But I mean, you said 50 years ago, what about 20 years ago? I was yeah. just going over this um, with my daughter for a history class. They're, they're just learning about, cause it's about uh, to be the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And she's supposed to interview us on what our experience was with 9-11. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm thinking back now to 20 years ago and how we, ingested that information as it was coming in with a lot of confusion and it was slow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was, you know, we didn't really know. And, you know, there wasn't like social media, at least I wasn't on any kind of like computer Mm -hmm. back then other than to play some video games. I mean, it was like, there was landlines, you know, Mm -hmm. and we were, we were doing our best to try to like metabolize that, that amount of like stress as a nation, Mm -hmm. as a world. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of the other things that happened that were going on around then that was like, we weren't getting it in real time from 10 different directions and perspectives and opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like that. News wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you had your news back when I was younger at five, six and 10. And they had to like say everything then. And you couldn't yeah. get news in the middle of the day unless it truly was breaking. But back at, you know, in 2001, when 9-11 was happening, it's like that was a lot of grief and a lot of fear. But we could, I think we could handle it in a way because we weren't, like you said, turning on our computers and seeing it 24 seven, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of regurgitated all the different perspectives of it. And I, I think there's something to be said about 
you know, our health in this time, especially our mental health, but then how that affects our bodies. Um, we can't affect our mental health without affecting our physical health. You just, you just can't. And there's, there's um, pandemics occurring far beyond COVID right now with mm-hmm. mental health and physical ailments from stress. And it's, it's huge. And so, yeah. you know, paying attention to what you can pay attention to in a healthy way, I think that is responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't fix global issues, you know, but, but my Enneagram type wants me to, as soon as I yeah. see them. And it immediately, I raise my shoulders, my, my jaw clenches. I can feel headaches come on. Mm-hmm. Even just thinking about things like that will cause these physiological responses in my body. And it's like, it's insanity, you know, to think that that's healthy or okay. And that we are, like you said, we're not, we're not set up for this. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be, I don't want to get better so that I can have more information like this funneled in and, and deal with it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's the answer. I think for me, it's like, what can we lovingly do right now mm-hmm. inside of ourselves, for ourselves? And then that spreads out, right? Mm-hmm. And how can we parent with mindfulness and how can we be friends and listen and be patient and understanding and not create this like otherness that's really bumming me out lately? Mm-hmm. Um, the divisiveness and all that, that's, it's all feeding that big kind of chaotic fear monster <laughs> that we're all yeah. ingesting at different levels, you know? Yeah. And I think like when I think about R2 and I'm, I'm kind of putting you into the one pocket for a second here. Mm -hmm. Um, when I think about like R2 type structures, um, this, the one worldview being, um, the world is a broken place and it's my job to fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, how that shows up. And then the seven kind of experience of the world is meant to make me happy and happiness is kind of my high, highest priority, my freedom, my happiness, my satisfaction that actually like a lot of the work that I have to do is in, um, am I consuming this because it makes me feel like I'm doing something for the world or in, in asking the question, well, and one, like, I think that my first reaction, my, I, my more natural tendency is to avoid bad news. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of overcorrect, right. By like consuming because I want to be a good person, you know, I do. And then from there, I have to ask myself the question, like, what action do I intend to take based off of this information? And if there's not a single bit of action that I intend to take, then this is an illusion of being a good person. It's not, it's just mm. feeding my belief that I am worthy of, of good because I'm putting this energy in. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I can make more impact in the places that I'm actually intending to take action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, well said. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it, it's all about volume for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, where can I, where can I love hardest right now? Yeah. And where can I impact effectively? And you're right. The rest of it might just be posturing mm-hmm. <laughs> or look at my goodness by reposting this thing about, you know, the refugees that need help. It's like, I, I can go fill the community refrigerator Mm-hmm. I could donate some things if they're needed. We just had a massive flood here. You know, it's like I bought as many diaper wipes as is humanly possible to buy. And that's the one thing I did. And I was telling my partner as I did it. She's like, I'm really glad you did that. I'm like, yeah, you know, I felt really selfish because mm-hmm. I feel like I was trying to buy some sort of sense of, um, it's like to keep the critic at bay or to keep the, you're not doing this well enough at bay. 
Um, I was aware of it though. It was like, and not, not criticizing myself too much. It's like, they needed diaper wipes. So, you know, you, you didn't yeah. feel the need, yeah. but at the same time, I was aware that that was not a selfless act. Mm-hmm. It was a selfish act to make myself feel better for having at least something that I could do to help, to quiet the, you're not doing enoughness of my head. If, does that make sense? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, yes, a hundred percent. I think it's interesting. I feel like, and tell me if you feel this, but I think sometimes as I do become more mindful of my behavior and I do become like through the Enneagram for me specifically, kind of become aware of my tendencies, it's almost like there's a, it's like, I, it becomes like, um, what's that where it's like a dream within a dream What that movie inception oh, inception where it's That's like, true. I'm observing myself, observing myself taking this action. And it's like the impact versus the intention. And it's like, you know, you're kind of like weighing all of this, like, right. Because it, it is like, yeah. yeah, I took the diaper wipes that does help. And let's look at the intention here behind it. And you're kind of like holding all of that complexity mm-hmm. all at one time. And I think that there's something really beautiful about that. And I think it kind of shows to how where we're at in terms of my Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we even have the time to even be thinking about mm-hmm. um, what we're doing and how we're thinking about what we're doing. Yeah. It even feels selfish to even think about the fact that I'm thinking about why I'm thinking about what I'm doing. It's like, it's so, it feels like such navel gazing, you know, is that me going to four? I don't know what this is, but I know that it's exhausting. I will yeah, say that. it is exhausting. exhausting. Yeah. You know, it's exhausting to always have the, am I, are my intentions pure enough in this mm. when it's, it can be good enough to just buy the damn diaper wipes, yeah. you know, and then maybe go on a walk and remember that, oh, life is also beautiful. You know, like look at this one flower and how complex it is. And this is also beautiful because I tell you what, if I don't do those things, Mm -hmm. then I will freeze and I won't be able to buy any diaper wipes. I won't be able to do anything Mm -hmm. because it becomes an overwhelming kind of, it's either overwhelming or I'll go so fast that I just burn out, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And, and then those things don't land in people anyway. That's my, that's where the two comes out. And it's like, I'll just help everybody. And then I'm not listening to the fact that I just really need help. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I need to look at the flowers and just breathe better because I'm not, you know, I, I don't know with you, but with our paths, seven and one being so mm-hmm. connected, like, and I've noticed this actually pretty mm-hmm. across the board lately. We're not breathing. Yeah. Like we, we literally stopped breathing and I know you have issues with breath, Yeah, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it, to me, that's, that's grief processing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how do we, how do we process grief if we're holding our breath? Cause we're terrified. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I went to a grief group, uh, last week actually. And, and it was interesting because I have like lung issues. And then there was a woman across from me who had lung issues. And then another woman who was audibly having lung issues And the opening kind of prayer thing that they did was like, take a deep breath. And I was like, you know, this is not a safe place for me right now. Like, and I'm learning, you know, I have my own breathing practices that I do, but like, it is interesting to be like, yeah, sometimes breath is the remedy. And it's also the complication. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, because be, breathing puts you in, it does, it puts you immediately into your body and there's a lot of sensations in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, there, yeah, and I think yeah. like what you said about symptoms earlier, it's like, 
that is so healing to think about. Yeah, I feel those sensations and those sensations are doing their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. Hmm. It just means that I'm having sensations and I can pay attention to them and listen to the messages behind them. Because that's where like a lot of inner child stuff will come through. I feel like that, like they're trying to get our attention through symptom. Yeah. It's like, you're not listening to me. You're out there trying to like take on all the world's problems and do all the things and you're not here, you know? So how about this? (laughs) How about this pain? Or how about, you know, and then if you listen to it, oftentimes it'll bring us back to, well, first of all, one of the amazing things is when you listen to it, and really without trying to fix it, it's really curious how those symptoms will abate. They will go away a lot of the time. And if they don't go away completely, they will go away and be less. And I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, when you ignore and push through, they get louder. You know, it's like whisper into a shout, as Oprah says, if you're not paying attention. Yeah. And that's what our body does. And it's like if we if we listen without making wrong, which is very difficult for the type one structure mm-hmm. and very difficult to not try to fix and love in, in a way of getting rid of from the type two structure, mm-hmm. just being there with it and then paying attention. That's part of healing. That's like mm-hmm. the first, I think most important step to healing is, Oh, there's nothing wrong here. Mm-hmm. There's, we don't have to be God and know what's right and wrong. You know, we just have to be. And from that perspective, healing can be allowed to occur because it, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be fixed. And even just that thought, like you said, it's like, oh, whew. yeah, that feels nice, right? Like that's <laughs> relaxing. There's nothing wrong with me. Oh, I might have this physical symptom, but I can heal that if I'm not trying to. Have you, have you noticed that when you have like such an aversion to something, it kind of grows? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Whereas if we love and accept something, even something difficult, it tends to not be as loud. Mm -hmm. I actually like on Monday, so it was actually the anniversary of my dad's passing Mm. and I had like charted off the day where I was like, this is going to be a sad day. I'm going to allow myself to feel my feelings, my capacity. I'm, I'm blocking off my calendar to just be whatever I am. And I had a great day. And it's, I think it's just like that liberation of, of a lack of resistance mm-hmm. and the ability to just feel whatever I needed to feel. It was like the f- need to feel wasn't there. And then as the week went on, as my schedule started conflicting with my ability to feel things, it became much more complicated. There was a lot more resistance. There was a lot more tension, a lot more um, self, you know, like putting myself down, feeling, you know, it was just like... Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm so I can't put this in a box, one, but also the less resistance I have to my full expression of the human emotion, the less pain that I'm enduring. Mm. Or, you know, the less suffering that I'm creating for myself. Yep. That's the big secret. Mm. Right. Tara Brock talks about that. She has this whole practice, the Buddhist uh, meditation teacher and author. She's amazing. And she talks about that saying yes when you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this before, maybe even with you, but I've, I've, I've learned this and implemented it. It's difficult. It's the opposite thing that you want to do. And, and, you know, like even in like turbulence on a plane is when I'll use it sometimes when I'm like really uncomfortable, scared, 
don't want it to be the way that it is. I don't want to say yes to turbulence, <laughs> but when I unclench my hands from the armrests and I smile, mm-hmm. it's like tricking my brain. And it's like, oh, yes, mm-hmm. this is, I choose this. And as soon as I choose it, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't sabotage and hijack my system anymore. My stomach's not in knots. My jaw <laughs> relaxes because I've just not, I've made space for it. You know, it doesn't mean I would choose it again if I had a choice, <laughs> but since I have a choice, you know, and she, she has these meditations for this and saying yes and being open to what is so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, I might have grief tomorrow. So I'll set aside some space for it. And then shockingly, maybe it's not as deep as we thought, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if you go, you know what, tomorrow's the anniversary of this divorce. And so I'm just going to barrel through and keep really busy and it's going mm-hmm. to hit you in the butt, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the next day. Or maybe in a headache, or maybe you'll have an emotional breakdown, but that's just the way we yeah. work, you know? And I think that, yeah, the healing is the paying attention to and just allowing space for it and, and understanding that, but, but, you know, to some people that's so difficult, like the one's reaction formation. It's like, no, I have to be on my game. I have to be rigid in this. I can't allow time to feel, and I just need to just stay busy. You know, that's mm-hmm. the structure, yeah. but what we really need is to be loved, <laughs> to be good enough and to be soft, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that a, a type one who allows themselves that, any type that allows themselves that, and yes, this is uncomfortable. And yes, this sucks right now. And I'm here for it. I'm going to create safety around this fear, you know, because mm-hmm. both things can exist at the same time and you often do. Right. Yeah. And then, it, then I think there's there's room to to grow and to heal and to not then you know create chaos in our relationships or with our kids or, yeah, in our life. Yeah. It's interesting because as we as we talk, a lot of what we are kind of talking about is like this kind of thinking about the thinking of the doing that we're doing and like, um, <laughs> and. I keep thinking about like, oh yeah, it really is. And you, and everything I keep hearing you come back to this, like presence. It's just like, what's right here? What's right now? This mm-hmm. is okay. This, this is what is. And that's, that is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then taking right action from that state yeah. of presence, right? It's not, it's not inactive. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm Buddhist and it's not about, you know, it's about a practice, not a, a belief system. There's no deity that I worship, but it's a practice of presence. And it's, it's saying, you know, I'm going to come back here and be present for this and then go out and, you know, do the next right thing, take mm-hmm. the next right step. It's not a, it's not just a thinking practice. It's a, it's a, it can be very active. It can be very um, passionate. It's just, we want to be doing that from a level space. We want to be doing that from awareness, not from fear and reaction, Mm -hmm. because those, I don't think those actions land very well in our, in ourselves or in, in the world. Mm -hmm. I think we can tell if someone's acting out of their structure or acting out of presence, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, we can tell when an eight is showing up as a healthy eight and getting a lot of stuff done, right? <laughs> and shaking some stuff up and being powerful. We can tell the difference between that and from when eight's scared and when they show up and then they try to like overpower, right? Yeah. It's like, it's energy. And I think the one can create a lot of true transformation 
and awareness in the world if they're awareness, if they have awareness of themselves. Mm. So, yeah. Dang. 40 minutes came in a flash. Yeah, I know. And it usually does with you. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I don't even know. I thought we just started. Yeah. Um, well, anything before we hit those rapid fire questions, anything that you feel like this is lingering here? I want to I want to make sure this gets in. No, I don't think so. I'm looking forward to the rapid fire questions. I, <laughs> I don't know what those are going to be. So yeah, um, rapid is what they're going to be. Rapid. Okay, I'll answer quickly. <laughs> I got. Is it one word answers? Is this- no, you're fine. You can take your time. Okay. Um, okay. The first book that comes to mind. Oh, Loving What Is, Byron Katie. Mm. A favorite song. Oh, gosh. This woman's work, Kate Bush. Mm. Something you wish people knew about you. Oh, goodness. I'm not a jerk when I'm stressed. Okay, I am a jerk when I'm stressed, <laughs> but I have good intentions and a lot of love behind those, mm-hmm. those ways of being. Mm. <laughs> um, your dream day, what are you doing? Mm. Um, drinking really good coffee, uh, looking out over beautiful high desert in New Mexico on this mm-hmm. land that I just bought, um, playing with animals and listening to amazing music and just being there mm-hmm. in those moments. That's so good. Your final meal, what are you eating? Oh, final meal of my life? Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um <laughs> I have to say this is really boring, but one of my favorite things I think I'd want it is like the perfect turkey sandwich. Ooh, like like leftover from Thanksgiving kind of turkey? No, no, no. I don't, I haven't historically liked that kind. I like the really, I like the good, but deli meat turkey, but good, like, you know, humane apple gate farms, whatever. Mm -hmm. Turkey with, with like some really good gluten-free bread, but not the crumbly kind. Uh And I want there to be some sort of avocado, tomato, lettuce situation and, Lots of like aioli type mustard mayo-y things and maybe some sprouts and possibly mm. um, some sort of kimchi. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect this question, but I actually am a, I love turkey sandwiches and maybe a good like gluten-free brownie for dessert. So are we going gluten-free even if it's your last meal? And I, there's no wrong answer to that. I'm wow. just curious. No, hell no. What am I thinking? No, I get to be bad, right? <laughs> no, it's like a really thick kind of homemade sourdough peasant bread. I, I don't even know what I was thinking. Last meal. Yeah, it's not going to kill me, right? Yeah. You might have, you're not going to have a tummy ache. No. No, no, no. <laughs> this is so dark. <laughs> then screw the gluten-free brownie. I'm just eating like, I'm eating like, like frosting out of the cup. <laughs> like Kroger. The like it's like a dollar for a whole yes. um, can the, of it. The whole thing, buttercream. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah. I also love. I think sprouts on a sandwich are under under praised. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that you put sprouts on your sandwich in this because it's yeah yeah under under appreciated. They're so good. They create that texture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What about food for thought? Something that you want people to walk away today thinking about? You know, I thought of this one because I knew this question was coming up and I was going to like try to come up with some like amazing quote from one of these, you know, uh, Buddhist teachers or like Ajashanti. And then I realized like, that's food for heart. I think mm-hmm. more food for thought, because I think it's so important is if you haven't yet already, go look up Joe Dispenza's TED Talk from mm-hmm. 2013. Um, 
he gives us a basis for understanding ourselves and how to heal that's just unparalleled, I think. And it's all about neurology and neuroplasticity and how our thoughts create our reality. And it's fascinating. And um, yeah, I think that would hopefully start some people down the wormhole of like understanding our own accountability and power and our own health. So I love that. Thank you. And where can we keep in touch? You have a lot going on. So like, where do you want people to head, head, hang out with you? Yeah. So we're opening up the Frequency Center. So we just actually started our Instagram at, at the Frequency Center on Instagram. And then we have um, at Nashville Center on Instagram is Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy. And that's the um, holistic health center that I have. And that's uh, evolved a bit through COVID. But we've got, you know, four of us still holding in and doing body work. And um, we have uh, acupuncture and things like that. So you can and I do coaching through that website as well. So that's uh, mynashvillecenter.com. But the Frequency Center is really what we're moving toward integrating, and that's the, the sanctuary in uh, Abiquiu, New Mexico. So we're going to be opening that for intentional healing, meditation, and sound healing. And we're just going to be starting to fundraise and, and build that. And people can just follow our progress online if you'd like to. The website's going to be thefrequencycenter.com. Um, so, yeah, just Send us some good energy. It's a big undertaking, but I think it's really, it's one of those um, service things that I want to have available for people to get together in community and, and um, meditate and heal themselves and each other. So, And we will make a point to link to those in the show notes as well. Um, thank you. Yeah. Ramona, thank you so much for taking the time to have such a thorough and beautiful conversation with me today. Well, I got to tell you, you know, I'm happy that we have a podcast, but I would want to do it anyway because I love talking to you. So thank you. (laughs) 